I hope this morning will bless you. We're going to look at, at the next chapter of Ephesians, but I'm going to jump to chapter 3, Ephesians 3, and, and we are busy with that. So last week, we looked at Paul's first prayer to the Ephesians church. He started Ephesians out with a call to know who God is, or who you are in God, a call to identity. He said, I want you to know who you are. He was so excited because of the Ephesians' faith and their love for each other that he just started praying. He started thanking God for His goodness in their lives and what they're doing. Now we focus on verse 17 and 18 in Ephesians 1 last week. I'm just going to give a quick recap for those who haven't heard the sermon um, or just to help you remember. So verse 17 and 18, we spoke about the spirit of wisdom. So he said, I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and truth in a revelation, uh, 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 sorry, a spirit of um, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. It's so amazing. He says that as you know our God and grow in an intimate relationship with Him, we receive more of Him. And we receive more of Him. You see, to know God is an intimate place with Him. And He says He will give you a spirit of wisdom and truth as you get to know God intimately. It's so amazing. Then we jump to verse 18 which says that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. So that you will know the hope of your calling. You'd say you will know God so intimately that you will start seeing things in a clearer way. You will start seeing who you are in a clearer way. See, as Christians, we're constantly enlightened in life through the process of realizing truth and revelation. Now today, I want to look at the second prayer of Paul. In Ephesians, in Ephesians 3. He only had two powerful prayers in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And I want to talk about the following this morning. I want to talk about being filled with the fullness of God. Being filled with the fullness of God. I thought the cappuccino picture is quite nice there. Eh? It's like sometimes when you taste that cappuccino in the morning, it feels like, oh, this must be God. Eh? This must be the Lord. <laughs> now at the end of this sermon, I trust that you will start to understand what God really gave us. You see, I think Christians today are still in a verge, are still in a way to really grasp and understand what God gave us as Christians, as believers, as sons of God. Now before I read Ephesians 3, I need you to realize who wrote this prayer. Just, just, let's just pause and think again, who wrote this prayer of Ephesians? This was Paul, he was not just any other man. He experienced and saw a lot in his life. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Powerful moment. He saw unbelievers get saved through his missionary work, seeing how people get filled with the Spirit, who was not part of the Jewish culture. And if you read 2 Corinthians 12, you'll see that, that Paul actually went to heaven. He saw a vision of the third heaven. Yeah. He went and he saw Jesus. He saw the angels. He saw heaven. I mean, it was a incredible encounter so much so in, in 2 Corinthians 12 he says that it was so amazing that I don't have words to describe it so I can't tell you so powerful this that was see this was a man that knew God he saw God into every aspect of who God is he says, this was a man who saw into the future and he saw the victorious church how the victorious church was supposed to be look like I think he saw the church of today and see, this is where we need to go. And I think he couldn't contain himself 
with excitement every time he spoke about, this is where we need to go. This is what God actually gave you. That's why I always say to myself, so Henny, you need to wake up, man. You need to wake up if you, I read these things. And I, it's like, I need to listen and, and see what Paul is actually saying. See, Paul prayed for, he hoped for, he trusted, he earnestly waited that every believer would grasp the fullness of God and what God was offering for each one of us. He was so eagerly, he was so excited, he just wanted us or them to know what he knew. Now let's read this together. I'm going to start in Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to read everything and then we're going to, we're going to dive into the Word. Um, so for this reason I bow my knee to, knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that He would grant you according to riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works um, in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Powerful scripture. Man, <laughs> this is a mouthful. This is weeks and weeks of sermon material right there. And that few scriptures. You can take scripture upon scripture and you can do seven, eight weeks of sermon, sermons. Of That's the richness of this Ephesians prayer that he did. I think this is a more powerful prayer than the first one. This was a prophetic prayer that he was prophesying over them. He was calling forth who they need to be in God. See, he was describing the passion that God had for us and for them. Now let's look through a couple of verses before we get into the main verse. That I pray that that main verse will be, will be a blessing to you this morning. Hopefully life-changing. Amen. Now let's look at the first one. Verse 14 and 15, it starts with, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Is named. Now, everything, in, in, everything that was created, everything that was created, everyone that was created, received a name from the Father. God named us. Now, I know, I know your mom and dad named you, and... Adam named all the animals, but it says that God named us before we even knew that we were named. You see, to have a name defines something. It gives something identity. When you are named, it gives you identity. They identify Henny when they call my name Henny. Now you can take it further that my name means ruler of the household. Owner of property. So when they, when they call me, they name and identify me and call something prophetic over me. It's so amazing. I can go on and on and that. So, so what he starts with is to state that God is the father of all life. He states that. So I always want to, before I start, I want to start that says, I bow my knees to the father who is the father of everything, who gives life to everything, who named and claimed you. 
Now, our identity is from Him. So if you struggle with fear or insecurity or any of those things, you simply need the love of the Father who named you. Just need that love. So the greatest cure for fear is God's love. We sang about it. Stephen spoke about it. God's love is something that I think it's a diamond mine that we're not even 10% into it. I don't think the kingdom that we know in in earth has even grasped or starting to grasp the true nature of God's love for us. I probably will probably only see that in heaven one day. So when God created everything, his love was the golden thread that operated through everything. If you look at it, he was creating something with us in mind by loving us. I need to, God didn't just create a nice mountain because he liked to look at it. He wanted to create something that's a habitation for us. He wanted to bless us. So every time I ride my bike into the mountains, I say, Lord, you love me so much. You created this so you know that one day I'm going to take my bike into the mountains and enjoy you. Isn't that amazing? When you go to the beach and sit there and a the wave crashes over, it's like, Lord, you created this for me. That's how much God loves you. Now see, godly love is not... I give to you, and then you have to give to me. I scratch your back, and you scratch my back. That's not godly love. See, two godly lovers, when you give to someone who's not able to give back, that's true love. That is true love. See, the church has gone to a place where we said, I'll give to you, but, but then you have to give to me. You see, we went into a culture that says, if I give, I want to receive. But see, when we give without without saying, I need something back. Now, I know, know God is a law that says, when you give, you will receive. And that's what Stephen said this morning. It's powerful. But when we truly love someone, yeah. I'm not talking about God. When you truly love someone, you give not to receive back. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Now, the problem with our Christian faith today is that love, the love of God became a point of theology instead of a divine encounter. Listen. The love of God became a theology. Just a truth. Oh, it's amazing. Instead, we missed a divine encounter, which is, which, which is actually why God's love is there. He wants to, to divinely encounter us with His love. Now, verse 16, let's go on. Says the following that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, out of the riches, the treasury of his glory. See, his glory is like a treasury. I don't know if you've always seen that. Um, if you look at the Aladdin movies or you look at all that stuff, and in the old days they had this treasury with all this gold, just heaps and heaps of. Uh, if I think about a treasury, I think about I walk into this in the Anna Jones movie, and he walks into this. Oh, yeah. fo- it's like just heaps and heaps of gold and all those pirate movies or stuff. I, 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 I've always pictured myself a picture like that. That is God's treasury. There's a richness of His treasury of what His glory. What is His glory? His glory is His manifest presence in our lives. So he says that I have a richness, I've got a treasury of my manifest presence and love that I want to give you. I want to bless you with. 
You see, Paul is speaking about people that know their God, not just in theory or theology, but through experience. He's speaking as if he's speaking to people that know their God because they have experienced his love. They've experienced his love. They had a divine encounter with the Holy One. It's not just a theological, I've read it so many times, it's so amazing. It's life-changing. Have you experienced it? No, no, no. no. It's just amazing. Just read it. You have experienced nothing. See, the greatest challenge for us as Christians today is to go from theory to experience. I've been there. We need to go from theory, just reading, and it's amazing, to really experience what we just read. See, it doesn't mean we always have to experience the same things, but... It's ex- essential that we know our God through experience. It's, it's essential. You can preach anything you want and it can be a great preacher. But if we don't get you as a church to go to a place of experiencing what we just preached, then we're missing the point. It's like loving somebody, but the only way you know is because uh, you wrote them a couple of love letters. and oh, I got this love letter from my wife. I don't know where she is, but I've got this letter and I know she loves me. Do you really know what love is? No. Absolutely not. You see, love truly becomes something amazing when we start to experience it. When you are in the presence of someone who wrote that letter. I can hold their hand. There's a touch. There's a conversation. Now you're experiencing what you read in the love letter. It's like when I was at school. Did you always get a case? was in a case. I don't know if you know what in English is, but you were like, you never see each other. You just, if you see each other, you duck and dive. You never speak to each other. But my mom is a case. And it was so weird because you have no idea what relationship is because <laughs> the only time you speak to that person or that girl when you're a guy is like when you ask them to be your girlfriend and when you say, I don't want to be your boyfriend anymore. <laughs> That's the only two times you speak to them. You see, that is not love. Love is, is, is based on an experience. See, a relationship without true love is an empty relationship. I want to make a statement that there is a huge difference between understanding something intellectually versus understanding something experientially. Big difference. Experientially, I experience something. Intellectually, I just read something. Wow, that's a nice thing. That's amazing. But see, that's why God says His Word is is something we read, but then we need to activate the Word and make it alive in our hearts and our lives so that we hunger for an experience. That's why I preached a couple of weeks ago about how hungry are you for God. It's because you can read the Word of God, but when do you experience that? It's when a true power comes alive. I grew up in the Enge Church, and I'm not not gunning the Enge Church. I think they're amazing, and I've got great friends in the Enge Church. And... um, and they're awesome. I love all this. I love all churches. Uh, earlier in my life, I, I stopped to look down on any other church because I'm not called to judge. God is the judge. I, I'm called to bless. I want to bless other churches. But as soon as I walked 
into the AFM church, we, we moved from the Enger to the AFM church when I was about 13 years old, I started to see supernatural encounters. And it freaked me out. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It, really, it freaked me out. I mean, I remember the first Sunday we were at the AFM church, the AGS, the pastor were, with the Bible on his head opened up and he was like dancing with the Bible on his head. And I was like, that is probably some of the weirdest things that I've seen in a long time. And it was so amazing. But it freaked me out. <laughs> I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to be honest. So because of a lack of understanding, I tried to work my faith out intellectually and through theology. And I set up a barrier around myself to be cautious against any weird stuff. Does it sound familiar? You set up that barrier around you. It's like, I'm not, I'm cautious. I don't think that's God. Because of a lack of understanding. Now, so many Christians, because of a lack of understanding, have set up a barrier to protect them from error. And, at some, and that, that same barrier kept them from a divine encounter. You see, we sometimes set up barriers in our lives because of, we don't know, a lack of understanding. And that same barrier kept us from walking over. It's like, Lord, I need more than an intellectual encounter with you. I need an ex experience encounter with you. Now, to have an experience with the living God keeps us from building a belief system that cannot work. Do you know that? So if you're not experiencing God, if you come to me and say you experience God, or, or you, you know what the love of God is, and you haven't experienced it, you are building a belief culture that's not going to work. It's not God. God is a God of experience, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you out of Scripture now. Now, meeting God is not the same as meeting your neighbor. It's not. See, the God who created the heaven and earth, who said, let there be light, and there was light. Did you know that the universe are still, it's expanding constantly. You know why? Because God said, let there be, and His words are still creating. That's how powerful God is. This is the God of the universe. His words are so incredibly powerful. When He speaks, there's life. When He speaks, it's truth. God cannot lie. That God, not our neighbor, is still the same today. Now, if you are the same after you've met Jesus, you are fooling yourself. You just have a new doctrine. I'm sorry. <laughs> just want to be honest. It's impossible to stay the same after meeting Jesus, and it's not the same than meeting your neighbor. It is a living God who created us, who loves us, who created everything around us for our purpose. Now, encounter with the Father has to transform you. It has to. All we need is a constant transformational life. Every time you open the Word, every time you encounter Him, there's transformation. Every time you speak to someone, they encourage you to prophesy over you. Oh, well, I've got an encounter. I'm transforming. Every time I'm in worship, God touches me in worship. I've got a love encounter. Oh, there's a transformation. See, it's an ongoing transformation as we meet, as we experience, as we encounter this amazing God of ours. Now look at verse 18. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. Now the word comprehend here, the word comprehend, it means to receive experientially. Not simply to understand intellectually. That's, that's what it says. It's, it means to 
experience something and not understand something. That's the, that's the, the definition. And it's also stated in the New King James Version in Spiritful. You can see it. It actually stated in the notes there. It says this is an experiential saying, not an understanding thing. The other definition of to comprehend is to apprehend for experience. That's powerful, isn't it? To apprehend something for experience. Have you ever apprehended something? Think about it. Men, have you apprehended your wife if you're married? You apprehended her. You, I mean, you, you, you gone for that. I mean, you just sent that letter. And, I mean, took her roses, flowers. I mean, you, you romanticized. I mean, you apprehended her. I remember I was playing. I was like 11 years old, and I played my first cricket day-night cr cricket match. And we had like in that days. It was a long time ago. <laughs> The lights wasn't as amazing as today. So we had lights and you could see, but if the ball goes higher than literally like three meters up, it's gone. <laughs> so they, they would hit a big shot and when it goes literally like two, three meters in the air, it's gone. So I was standing way on the, on the, on the boundary um, and, and I could see the, the guy batting and a uh, and the bowler came in and he hit a big shot. And I could see the shot is literally, it's, it's coming for me. <laughs> but I can't see the ball. <laughs> there is no way. And I could see a little bit of a, a glimpse of a ball. So I ran and I could see and I just jumped next to the barrier. Yeah? And I just put my hand out and I caught the ball. I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> but see, I apprehended it. I could have like, oh, I'm not seeing the ball, whatever. But see, I tried to, I, I know it's coming, I know it's, and I apprehended it, and I caught it. Sometimes we need to apprehend the love of God. We need to apprehend the love of God, to experience more of God. Now look what the Amplified says. The Amplified says the following, Be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, with the width, uh, the, width the length, the heights, the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. <laughs> which far surpasses. It says, may you practically experience this love which far surpasses knowledge which is, which is not without experience. See, God wants us to fully, fully, fully experience His love. It's available for us. We need to apprehend it. We need to apprehend it. So many of us sit and wait for God to break through all the barriers. Lord, come, I'm ready for you. I'm... But God just waiting for us to break through. Sometimes that wall that we need to break through is paper thin. We just need to step through. I said, Lord, I'm here. I'm apprehending you, Lord. See, God has done so much, so much to make His love available for us. We just need to go for it. We just need to apprehend it. We just need to say, Lord, I want it so much, I'll do anything to get it. I remember when I was 13 years old, we just moved from Engetje to AFM, and um, I went to this youth camp within the first two weeks. And... Um, 
the guy who actually was leading the youth camp became my spiritual father 10 years after that, which was actually amazing how God works. But I went to this youth camp. Now, for a 13-year-old boy to go from a church to a different church, he doesn't really know what's happening in his church, but stuff looks quite freaky and weird. And now he needs to go to this camp and he doesn't know anybody there. I mean, it is a serious, serious business. Like, oh my goodness, Lord help me. And your mom drops you off and she puts you on the bus. So you're going on that camp. And I was like, oh Lord. <laughs> now arriving at a camp, I knew God only in an intellectual way. I knew him. I had a Bible. I read my Bible. I did my, my children's church homework or my Sunday school homework. I got my stars and my little book. I had everything. I knew him. Intellectually, I knew him. I had a Bible that I read maybe four times a year. So the first night of the camp, I was there and I met one or two friends. Oh, cool. And actually realized they in school with me. I was like, oh, I never knew. So I made some friends. And I sat there and this pastor came up and he preached a heaven and hell message. <laughs> Have you ever eternal burn? If you don't come up now, you're going to burn. I mean, you are in trouble. I mean, I didn't even, that guy, I was waiting for him. It's like, just say amen so that I can come to the front because I'm seriously thinking I'm going to burn in hell. I'm seriously, this is what's going to happen to me. <laughs> so when that guy said, amen, I was in front. I was like, oh, just pray for me. So he came to me up and he sat in front of me and I could hear, I was like in the middle of the row here. I was like in the middle, there was a couple. And as he started praying for people, the guy started crying. It's like, men, like, hey, I know you're only 13, but men doesn't cry, man. It's like, why are you crying? So now I'm getting seriously stressed. You know, it's like this guy coming closer to me. And it's like, oh, goodness. And then when he came to me and he sat in front of me, I said, Henny, you know God loves you. I said, yeah, I believe so. I said, have you, have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit? I said, I don't know. I said, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Did somebody pray for you for filling in the Holy Spirit? I said, I, I think I'm too young for that. <laughs> he says, no, no, no. I said, no, you're not. And he said something that I still to remember till today. He said, Henny, the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. He would never offend you in a place where you feel that you're going to be unsure of things. He's always going to be like a gentleman. And I know what a gentleman is because my dad taught me, you open a door for the ladies, you, you wait till they walk out, you stand up. You, I mean, a gentleman is somebody who don't offend, but are courteous. Yeah. And he said, just trust him, I'm going to pray and let's see what the Holy Spirit does. I was like, okay. So he prayed. About 10 minutes afterwards, I was sobbing with him like four guys on. I didn't even know what happened. I was praying in tongues. I, was, I could feel a burning of God inside of me. I had an encounter, a love encounter with the Spirit. I had an encounter with God, which is so amazing. Sometimes our thinking and our religious way of trying to understand put a barrier between us and an encounter, a love encounter with the Father. And all the way God wants us just to encounter Him, just want more of him. See, an encounter with God changes the ball game. 
it changes the ball game. The invitation is come grab hold of that which will grab hold of you. Because I know when you walk in and say, Lord, I want you. I mean, he comes in with everything he has because he loves us so much. Now let me finish the last part of verse 16 in verse 19 and amplified just the next verse B. It says that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life. Completely filled and flooded with God himself. <laughs> Did you hear that? Completely filled and flooded with God himself. You see, God will fill you up to such a degree that you are filled up and flooded with Him to such a degree that you're like, Lord, I can't help not to have an experience with you. Now, I know there's churches that believe that we are not called in this age to have an experience with the Father. That's why the Word are there. The truth. That's all we need. The experience in the Holy Spirit and the stuff was for Jesus' time. Now when Jesus left, he left us the word, the intellectual part of Christian. I wish they could see the truth. They actually speak about them as sensationists. It's not about the sensation. I actually had some of them, when I was running a church in Poch, some of their leaders came to evangelize in my small groups. That's it. The only thing you are, you're not in the truth, true gospel, because you're running after sensation and worship and sensation and sermons, sensation and those things, but you need the truth of the gospel in your life. I was like, oh, you're right, but you're missing like the greatest part of a believer yeah. of experiencing the love of the Father. See, all through the Old Testament, we see that God and the prophets do miraculous things. But in the New Testament, Jesus came because of God's love so that we can be empowered. So that we can be empowered. Not just reading, but experiencing. When we read. So understand me, I'm not, I'm not downing reading. I think it's good to have an intellectual knowledge of the word, but don't just keep it there. Go over to say, Lord, now I know the truth, but now I need that experience with you. I need that experience with you, Lord. See, we were made to experience God. We were created to be flooded by the love and by the power of God. See, our, the capacity of our spirit can contain God. Did you know that? It can contain the extraordinary. I always said, um, I've got a good friend, pastor friend of mine, he had a great sermon, he always preached, and it changed my life. He said that the capacity that the universe has for the stars, that same capacity your spirit has for God, there's no limit. God wants to come and fill you up, flood you with his goodness, with his fullness, with everything he has. We just need his love. Just one day a billionaire died and he didn't have a will at the end. So, so the executors looked at it and said, I'll just divide his estate into the four nephews he had because um, his son died and he had no, no direct family. And, and then they divided the estate and then they took all the um, furniture in the house and they auctioned it up. And as they auctioned it, there was... 
They, they, one of the pieces of the auction was a painting or a picture, a framed picture of his son. And they tried to auction, nobody wanted to be, they just put it aside. And afterwards, an old lady came over and she said, listen, can I buy that picture? I only have a dollar. And I was like, why? It's like, well, I was the caretaker of that young man. I loved him so much and I, I actually were, were, he actually, I were with him when he was at the beach and he tried to save a young boy who was drowning in, in the ocean. And in the attempt of saving him, both of them drowned. And it was such a, it was a heartbreak for the billionaire and for me and I couldn't work there anymore. And just, but I miss him so much and can I please buy the picture? I just want a memory of him. And the guy said, for sure, yeah, give him the dollar. And she went home and when she got home, she saw at the back of the, when she put the, trying to put the picture up, she saw a bulge at the back of the, of the, of the frame picture and she opened it up and it was the will of the billionaire. It's like with the title deed that says, the person who loved my son so much that he would care for this picture, they inherit all my estate. You see, sometimes when we love God, not to get, but to give, when we love God more than anything else, then something are flooded in our innermost being of who He is. See, I believe that we all were created with an inherent hunger for the love and experience of God. We just need that love of Him to come into our lives to transform every area. To cancel that insecurity in your life, that fear, that thoughts that's breaking you down mentally, emotionally. You see, we need that experience. That's why all other religions try so hard to work their way into an experience. You can't work your way into an experience. You just need the love of God. We just need to love of the Father. See, Jesus was doing miracles all over and there came a Pharisee named Nicodemus. I want to end with this. He came to him at night because he was afraid what the other Pharisees would say if you, like, are you really going to the man Jesus? Who want to crucify? He's the man. It's, it's blasphemy and all this. Other. And he got, went at night and he said, tell me, only a man who do the works that you do truly have God with him. And then Jesus started speaking to him. But it hit me. Here a Pharisee, a man stood. He knows the word intellectually, I mean by heart. But he had deep inside of him a hunger for an experience like he saw Jesus have. He saw the men following Jesus said, why are you guys having an experience and you don't even know the word that I know. You don't know it as deep as I, I'm a Pharisee. But you have more experience and miracles than I have. So he was so hungry and so, I mean, he wanted the experience that he went at night. He, he risked his Pharisee degree, call it what you want, to go at night to ask Jesus the truth. See, I bet he always had that longing for an experience. He knew that he was reading. It's like there must be more than just reading. There must be an experience somewhere and I'm missing it. And when he saw it, he went after it. And the Bible doesn't speak about him afterwards, but I, I trust that, that there was a big change in his life after that. Jesus, if you look at Jesus reprimanded him. He was quite harsh and straight up. 
But he, had, he wanted to break through that religious facade and say, this is who you need to be. Now my heart's cry for this church is that we don't get stuck at the intellectual part of doing church, which is fantastic. We can do it. We've been doing it for 18 years. I know how to do church. I knew how to set up a great church service. But if there's no experience, if there's no longing to have more of God, say, Lord, I need an encounter with you this morning. That's why we're not going to rush. That's why we're not going to do this. We're not going to rush through a program. We need an encounter with you. That's what we trust God for in this church. That's what we trust God for when I walk into town, when I walk past people and pray for them. I trust God that my shadow don't have to go over them and they change. I can just walk over and speak to them. And there must be a change to our life. Maybe it's just an encouraging moment. That's also a change. But we need to be a church and a body that trust God for experience and not just theology. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to ask my wife to play.